Um, I really thank all my mentors who went out of the way to teach us these philosophies of how do we deal with people, and that's where it was formed. Uh, then I was the response. Then I was a part of the Unilever team, uh, HUL team, uh, building some of the largest factories for HUL and greenfield locations. Then I went into the supply chain end-to-end supply chain integration area. Uh, then worked uh, in Indonesia, creating some of the. This is actually the picture here is of. A 12 football field sized uh, distribution center, one distribution center catering to almost 15,000 crores of turnover. And uh, then um, I was in Unilever Europe running logistics. This is very briefly about me, but bulk of my career has been in Unilever before I joined ITC very recently. So that's my background. And this is where I've learned uh, whatever I'm sharing with most of you. Um, so from there, you know, just to get into you know, if, if you were to really take a step back and look at what people told us, uh, you know, at most at every stage, uh, what people have done is to look at, take take a less traveled path, you know, whether it is in terms of personal decisions, the way they have led their teams or the way they have led their organizations into something which is uncharted. We have heard various people explain and each one of those places, people have taken some uncharted or road less traveled and that's what has helped them to blaze the trail. It's not doing more of the same, but doing things a bit differently. So um, again, in this space of, you know, human potential and unlocking human potential, I guess, you know, there are a common ways in which, you know, there's a typical path in which we deal with it. And when I say human potential, it includes a person who's driving your auto rickshaw or a person who just comes to repair an AC in your house or a plumber or electrician, everyone. Yeah? And also in our organizations, in our professional life, in our personal life, everywhere. There's a particular way in which we deal, the common way in which we deal with people. And there is a different way in which a few people deal with people. And I think uh, the difference again comes in that is my belief and that's my learning. And that's what we will touch upon. Um, you know, uh, I'll first, uh, this is a book which um, many of you may have heard. This is a book which was written by a person called uh, Daniel Pink. And this is a research, uh, came out of his research in the area of organizational behavior and people behavior. And this is one of the most watched YouTube videos. That's why I just put it and it's a very common thing, which is about, uh, and he actually shared this in his book called Drive, which was basically about saying what drives human beings, what really helps them to you know, perform and what helps unlock value in people. So his, um, after a lot of things, you know, his final proposition was to say, our common mindset is to look at everything as the what is reward and what is punishment, or what is carrot and what is stick. You, you give a carrot and you get more of the behavior you want. You put a stick and you get a less of a behavior you want. That's basically a carrot and stick approach or a reward and punishment approach. And that's a common way in which we always look at um, you know people. Um, and especially as we go lower down in an organization, the carrot and stick approach is even more pronounced. Uh, so uh, the question is, uh, his, his study was there to say that, you know, while that's the common approach, what really happens is um, the three things which matter most to people based on various experimental studies they had done across the world. He posted, his hypothesis was to say that three things drive performance. Uh, one is autonomy, uh, which is the freedom to do what people want to do and that autonomy empowers them. The second is uh, the mastery, which is about how do you continuously push the boundary and how do you stretch yourself? 
and you know if today this is your this is some way by which you know you expand the box in which you are today operating it's in terms of getting a skill you know it's it's about achieving something which you have not done till now which actually makes you feel that you have become a bigger person yeah that's the second one which is mastery and third is purpose doing something uh not just a drudgery but you know there's something larger a thing which is beyond me which i'm trying to achieve and i'm a part of that i'm sure all of us have heard the story of you know someone went and asked a guy you know what are you doing and he said i'm cutting a stone while someone else said that you know i'm building the best temple in the world and you know who is likely to be more motivated the person who thought he is cutting stone or the person who is building a um, best temple in the world and that's purpose which is making us connect to something larger than the immediate day to day drudgery which we all go through in life i think that's basically what he said is what drives performance and this is what really motivates people uh, but then the question is um, while this is all very good and uh, it's, it's all everyone understands that this is what is important for people higher up in an organization the billions of dollars have been spent in leadership development and there's a significant progress in this area across the world including in india um, the question is how does it appear to people who are lower down in the organization or lower down in a maslow triangle and you know how do you actually help them um, how do these things work for them that's basically what we will try to talk about today why is this topic relevant i think that's equally a very important thing i am having a difficulty in moving the slide just a minute yeah why is this to- topic important i think that's uh, um uh, in in my personal view and in, i think most of us understand this if bulk of our economy and if bulk of our people are actually working in these things and those are the hands and legs which actually make the wheels of economy move uh it is our fundamental responsibility to actually make them productive and unlock their talent and unlock their potential because it is that which actually one creates the economic well being which we all you know aspire for a 5 trillion dollar task or make in india whatever it is you in order to unlock that it is in that layer of the society that we need to go and unlock it not only unlocks the economic value by unlocking their potential it also brings meaning to their own lives and i think you know uh, it that's that's an equally a big responsibility for people in leadership positions and uh, so it's a once in a lifetime opportunity for all of us i think we have a population which is young uh, all of us know about the population dividend which india is sitting through and um, uh, therefore this is the time for us to make that contribution and make an impact and difference in the lives of a large number of people which eventually has an economic consequence for us which is what we all want at the same time it has a very positive social and a well-being consequence also as a society so therefore um it, it's it's something which is of paramount importance for both economic and social perspective yeah um you know uh, i'll start with a simple hypothesis and then we will get into some of the lessons which i've learned um i think you know uh, there's been lot told about leadership and there's been lot of conversations about the, what is the purpose of leader what is leadership what is it all about for me um, you know i thought a very simple way to frame it is to say that you know the purpose of leadership today at least is not just to make money but it's actually to make meaning do we need to make money do we need to create economic value absolutely yes yeah we have to earn the right to live but then that's only a very small part of what is it that we want to do but 
much larger thing is in addition to that we need to make meaning we need to make meaning for ourselves for the enterprises we lead uh, and for our consumers uh, for our customers for the society at large and for every employee who works with us when we are able to make it meaningful for them i guess we eventually create that you know uh, wish that you know virtuous spiral of value virtuous spiral of uh, you know engagement which eventually creates sustained both economic value as well as social value in the long run so the purpose of leadership the hypothesis is how do you actually create meaning for the people who work with you who work for you who are your customers and everyone else yeah so that's where i start with um the first lesson therefore in this in unlocking human potential uh needless to say i i'm not going to delve deep on this topic because this topic in itself deserves a separate i think one hour and we will not get into that uh it's, it's a very detailed topic and i there are some very interesting lessons in this but we will not get into that space but i guess one of the most important things obviously is to recruit the right people those of you who understand tamil can you know see this uh, kural which is a very very you know someone wrote the you know, thiruvallur wrote this 2000 years back which explains the entire concept of getting the identifying the right people and getting the right people to do a job this topic has been you know, discussed extensively you know it is there in jim collins book it has been there everywhere all of us who lead teams know that we need the right person and only then things can happen i guess you know this is one of the important things and many successful organizations have developed their own ways of doing this which is vital and um, i am here assuming first of all that for some reason we have brought in the right people yeah uh but then equally i want to you know there's the one of the questions which one of my you know ma- one of my mentors asked me once is raghu have you ever seen a guy who is 21 or 22 years old who joins a company and says um oh good i now got a job now from today i am going to create trouble for this company let me go create a strike let me start a union let me make everyone's lives mess is there anyone who joins a company at the age of 21 or 22 with that in his mind and if that's not what is the common phenomena what is it that we have done to them that after 10 years or 20 years that's what people land up becoming people lose their motivation and they become unmotivated is it that the people have a problem or is it that we as leaders have an issue that's basically the question and you know even if you have the right person on ground we need to do a lot of other things in order to keep that person uh productive in order to keep that person wanting to contribute more learn and develop further and further yeah uh, so we'll look at some of the things which i have learned in the process uh, i think the first thing is about the purpose yeah um, i think any organization needs to have a purpose and we need not just to have a purpose in our mind as leaders but most importantly to communicate that purpose of the organization into the teams whom we lead irrespective of what level they are in and make them feel that they are a part of that mission they are a part of that purpose which the organization is leading i'm sure many of us have heard this famous story of you know even a janitor in the, the nasa lab said what are you doing i am i am helping land a person and more yeah, so that's a very famous story of purpose uh, but equally i would like to share some of our personal experiences this i have personally seen experienced 
in ponds uh, when i was running one of the factories so uh, i'm i want to share a specific example of this to bring it alive um i know most of us who run good factories today have uh, safety is a very very important part of our operational and uh, you know, our rigor and uh, we say that one of the big purposes of the factory is not just to make money or be productive but also to run a very safe operation which is good for the employees we do not want a single person coming to our factory get hurt yeah it's literally a purpose of why the factory is there and that we actually share that with people and we try to drive it i actually want to share a personal example where you know many of us uh, have seen uh, many of us may remember this incident in the year 2004 there was a fire accident in uh, kumbakonam uh, in one of the schools and unfortunately many kids in every elementary school kids were charred to death it was one of the most gory accidents and it actually shook the entire country in terms of you know what happens and the safety standards in schools and how things happen um now when we were running a, after that in the factory was having a typical safety committee meeting immediately after that and many of the employees at a used to run a very very strong safety program many of the employees used to feel very strong and they felt very strongly about it because many of them went about 20 years back many of them have kid had kids who were going to school at that time and they said look uh, even in the schools in which our kids go the similar problem is there and you know the school safety standards are bad and we know these are the issues we have seen you know cables flying around we have seen exits blocked the workmen then uh, took a day off you know the factory helped them uh, they formed small teams which went around to all the schools in that area especially the schools where their own kids were going voluntarily ran safety audits and presented their findings to the schools and said look these are the things you need to do in order to improve the safety in your place so that the similar accident which happened there doesn't happen in our school as well it is so well received yeah but the point of in enacting this story is uh, it's one thing to keep you know beating down uh, the point of safety and then saying it's a kpi you have to achieve this kpi uh, and you know putting the thing and then starting putting punishment to people if they are not safe issuing warning letters and all that it's another thing to make them feel that this is important it's not a safe it's not a kpi to be achieved but it's a social mission in which i need to contribute when that happens when that shift happens in people that is when a purpose of the factory gets translated into the identity of the person once that becomes the identity of a person then you never have to once more go and stand behind the person and supervise he thinks safety he integrates safety into whatever he or she does in the house in the office the way they travel to work in whatever they do they live and breathe safety and i think this was a classic example in my personal life of uh, you know a purpose of an organization getting transmitted into way of living of people and how it provided meaning to them and how it changed their identity of driving safety yeah um i that so the first thing is to drive purpose in people um the next one i wanted to touch upon was uh, there is a second powerful lesson is uh, uh, the power of self worth and this is a very famous saying by an architect which said you know even a brick wants to be something um i think in each one of us is a very strong innate desire to lead meaningful lives to lead all of us want to feel worthy each one of us want to feel worthy it's an innate drive it, it doesn't matter who we are and what level of the society you are in 
you respect a person you get a different level of uh, you know performance and you treat him as you know one more tree in the forest and you get a performance which is very very different having that personal attention to each person and giving them this giving them that sense of self worth i guess is one of the most important ways to unlock values in people um i would um, uh, argue that this is something which many of us often overlook simply because there is so much of work pressure and there is so much of you know there's so many deadlines to be met and everything but realizing that everyone has this innate need in them and just tapping into that makes such a big difference i would um, you know uh, bring there is a lot of research which has happened on this topic subsequently of late especially in the last 10 years or so where the concept of psychological safety has become extremely important and you know today is a mental health day a world mental health day and i think i think it's an apt topic psychological safety is fundamentally around i bringing myself to the job i having the confidence that i don't have to be someone else i can be me i have my own you know blemishes i am not a perfect person but i have something to contribute and i am allowed to bring that myself into the job as in as a whole human being and contribute how do i understand that person on the other side as a whole human being his potential his talents and how do i help him unlock someone may be extremely good at something someone else may be extremely good at something else um you know that uh, nothing else that person and it may be a very very few things but there's always something where they can be unlocked and there's always something where we can engage them and uh, make them get that sense of self worth and when they find that self worth from a leader uh, when that sense of self worth is met by a leader i think they start warming up to that person they start forming up to, if if that work environment provides that sense of self worth they warm up to that environment and they start contributing many examples someone is extreme i mean i'm just giving some examples arbitrarily yeah someone is good only at gardening and there is no other skill he has is a very unskilled person is only other skill is gardening maybe he has some done done some field work or whatever it is can we you know in his discretionary time use him to do some work in garden and make him feel that there is something which he has contributed to i still remember in my factory we used to have a person whose biggest only other passion and skill was to make rangoli and um, you know every time there was an opportunity in the factory we will make him do a rangoli the person starts getting that sense of attachment to that factory i'll actually show one of the pictures subsequently it is these things you know everyone has some potential how do we look at that how do you unlock that how do you create that sense of belonging which then helps them to become more and more attached to that place and contribute more and more to the team pro and because the environment is one where there's a lot of psychological safety and their self worth is realized in that place i think that's one of the most important things i want to share a small uh, personal example it is not just for you know making a rangoli or you know making a garden but this is what goes on to create huge business economic value um many of you have seen this products is a very famous you know pons talcum powder and most of it is available it was always available only in large packs 
um which is you know 150 grams 100 grams and you know 400 grams was the standard pack sizes in which these products were available it's about a 15 year old story the first time we wanted to come up with low unit packs india as a country is very very deep in low unit packs and it's that's where you know shampoo sachets are very famous if the, the you know 50 paisa 100 1 rupee the lower end packs is where almost every company has leveraged to penetrate because people want to use good products but they can't afford large put down prices and people prefer smaller sachets because of that um but then producing a large product is a completely different ball game as compared to producing uh, you know 20 grams of talcum powder and in, uh, you know sachet machines are simple to make and they are very easy to implement but making a line to run low unit packs of talcum powder which is a powder to be filled is extremely complex and uh, to get the economics right was very very different we had to create lines which ran at two and a half times the speed of the bigger bottles and which reduced less than half the people as the bigger bottles that's the only way to make economic value otherwise it was not just going to be viable to launch this pack a team of workmen actually solved a completely complex you know engineering feat and they finally helped to launch this entire product which actually today 15 years down the line is as as large a category as the main pack so that sense of self worth just doesn't go it is actually a mission of the entire factory to solve this problem because they felt this is what is required to secure the future of the factory and uh, make a meaning and uh, so it is not just about uh, you know making people feel good but to create completely new categories in itself in business which uh, you know then go on to create huge economic value um this this I, I, therefore the sense of self worth and how do we learn how to unlock it is very important one company uh, which actually has mastered this art globally at scale you know you're talking about thousands and thousands of people and still uh, you know being really really working at a completely different level actually is toyota i now invite mr prakash who is a part of the panel to actually share some of his stories of uh, how a company like toyota actually looks at this space and the structure they follow to unlock this prakash uh, yeah thank you thank you mr raghuram and uh, good evening to all of you so let me i think um, mr raghuraman has touched up on uh, i think various aspects which i was able to you now visualize uh, from a bird's view that what all things are happening in my company i think what he has put it uh, very rightly and uh, when i try to summarize that i think it comes out uh, from my experience or this and before that i think uh, the topic which was chosen is very very interesting also unlocking human potential from a non hr manager now in my company there is a department called as hr department but as an hr manager we generally believe that uh, everybody is an hr manager in our company you know the reason is uh, uh, the whoever has got subordinates i think he becomes a hr manager so in in our company we call every frontline supervisor as a hr manager the reason is uh, he needs to take care of his people that's a fundamental uh, Uh, belief or a value system you can say so what i would like to just uh, give you a overview about the so far uh, uh, the topic uh, which raghuraman explained and from toyota uh, uh, viewpoint what are those things so just uh, it comes out as a two important thing 
one is of course commitment to beliefs philosophies and common uh, values and uh, i think in my last 25 years of experience in, uh, uh, in, in working with toyota has been uh, which comes out as a toyota way of course i think every company has their own way but i think uh, you might you might be seeing in the slide it is written as 2001 uh, it's a very interesting uh, uh, you know uh, information as to why this 2001 came it's not about any version of 2001 it's actually the toyota was coined in uh, 2001 the background is very simple toyota uh, was a global company even by then but uh, one thing which was uh, missing was on uh, the uh, its uh, dna the dna was actually in toyota is actually passed down from like what we say in india guru shishya parampara so if, there is no such thing called a written rules actually but people actually just uh, follow it i think it was very common even in india also uh, this guru shishya parampara there was no such thing called as it is a rule book i think the the guru uh, you know explains the things and shishya follows it the same system existed uh, even in toyota also but when the toyota started expanding to various other countries and the culture they found that there should be some kind of a <clears throat> common values which everybody should be able to understand i think mr raguraman was mentioning about the the value system and the purpose so i think here uh, this is where it was coined as toyota way 2001 the entire dna of toyota was summarized in these five or these two important thing called as continuous improvement and respect for people i think the continuous improvement has got a uh, little technical aspects which deals with uh, challenging uh, taking a challenging assignments and doing continuous improvement and you know go to the facts go to the place where things are happening and do it but i think the second important thing i would like to say is which is very apt to this today's evening topic is respect for people now i think this respect for people is a very very interesting thing because i i learned it over a period of time it was i was seeing that respect for people means just uh, you know wishing them and uh, saying very nice talking very nicely it is not so in toyota actually respect for people actually has got a different meaning which is a second portion which i feel it is a total employee involvement and empowerment so uh, now i would like to explain a few things basically uh, i think every company must and should have the value system for a long term survival of the company and i think the important point which raguraman was mentioning was about the purpose i think this is uh, most of the companies do have this vision and mission system but mission but how these are actually realized into the day to day work i think that's what uh, toyota has been uh, uh, you know forefront in trying to di- drive this across the people and it's a uh, another example for me was on uh, lead by example i think uh, i have uh, heard lot of stories and we have even have the movies on this you know when uh, i think there was a serious crisis in uh, toyota motor corporation about uh, uh, i think it was oil crisis and there was a labor strike and uh, and it was basically it was big issue and then who actually had to lead it was actually the top of the company which person uh, had to leave first before he can ask others to lead and this was a very very big learning and that's where the real union and management uh, uh, you know the issues were uh, realized and also they also framed that they are the two wheels of the vehicle without one you know one cannot run without the other so 
here here it comes basically the beliefs philosophy and common values and what you see here is a past president of toyota motor corporation is uh, fujio cho who coined this uh, what is called as toyota way realizing that the value system has to be across uh, all the uh, across all continents and cultures and through this i think what we call as hrd hrd is not a department we call it as human resource development so it's a very key message which uh, i have learned it through this uh, is a lead your subordinates through thorough communication i think one important point even raghuraman was mentioning how do you communicate how do you make sure people understand your purpose or the purpose of the company or the existence of the company i think this is very very important from uh, uh, even my experience that if you are uh, you know not good at communication and here my experience says communication doesn't mean i inform somebody i tell somebody that's it over so I, for my experience i move my own personal experience i have given one very nice uh, example it's a communication between mother and child you know how uh, even a child if is not able to speak also the mother understands what is the need and uh, the other way also you know so this is one area where even though you don't know the language but you are able to communicate i think we think that language is the only one but it's not so so understanding with your subordinates uh, uh, you know empathizing with them and trying to uh, you know give them the support is what it makes a thorough communication and second important thing is to unlock potential is assigning subordinates a challenging work and it's not just assigning it's also seeing it through so that means the leader has got responsibility to actually see it through supporting it and facilitating it of course not doing this job directly but it is important that he needs to do it and important thing is slightly challenging work what it means actually my experience in the last so many years is you are able to do a certain level of tasks and uh, when you are assigning uh, the task to your subordinates you have to give it slightly little above that or not too high because you should not make the, the your subordinates fail in his job it should not become too like a we call it as muri or very difficult cannot achieve so slightly i i know assigning a slightly challenging work and seeing it through so this is what creates some kind of a motivation and a confidence in the subordinates that he is able to now next time challenge the next level of so this is what we call it as a continuous improvement and challenge which is there in the first uh, uh, you know pillar of uh, toyota way so this is uh, actually happens in a day in and day out so this are things are actually uh, toyota way is like a philosophy value system but actually these are concretized into what is called as toyota business practice how to put the toyota way into actual practice down to the level of uh, uh, working level even at the shop floor level or the lowest level of people so these are some of the things i think these are uh, very nice thing but however let me uh, talk about total employee involvement now one important thing which came out was respect for people now we i just said respect for people doesn't mean just wishing him and uh, you know you know uh, taking care of him but it's actually respecting human ability to think and contribute i think here one point uh, mr raghuraman mentioned that self worth self worth comes out from giving respect to the people uh, for their thoughts and for their ideas and how they can contribute this is where i feel their self worth actually enhances and some of the examples of uh, which are followed probably these are all followed in uh, almost all industries but uh, it's all called as a cross functional quality circle it's not just the quality circles what we have but how do we actually 
bring in other functions into one circle and try to achieve some uh, the one which are impossible to achieve similarly in jishuken we call this as a, it's actually jishuken nothing but is a self learning this qcc and jishuken are nothing but basically self directed teams i think this was also one of the important point which raghuram mentioned so here my experience uh, says that when you are in the same environment and trying to do the activity probably your ability to identify the uh, uh, what do you say uh, the potential which exists for improvement is less so you, it's better that you see from a different angle another's view point that means it's always true that so for example if uh, somebody else walks into toyota and tries to see things his viewpoint his his questioning his you know uh, the suggestions will be far far different and better than the people who are working in toyota so this is what we mean by jishuken where we make sure that the cross functional uh, people are brought in and they are assigned the task of of course it could be anything it could be about 3 days or 5 7 days so we have of course defined uh, steps to do it but my experience says that the this kind of an activity unlocks the potential of the person i think he was mentioning about rangoli and so many examples here i found one example an operator is able to identify the things which are not able to be identified by an engineer for improvement and we could find through this exercise he was so good in the cad which we were not knowing and through this activity he was able to draw design fabricate everything by himself which was not Uh, no even we could not realize so we what we realize is if you are facilitating this kind of an environment probably unlocking the human potential is going to be immense and it is going to be unlimited also next uh, can you go to the next slide yeah these are some of the few examples where uh, our own people at the lowest level have designed developed uh, the various kind of low cost automation they were able to actually you know demonstrate in the international exhibitions held in japan and uh, i think this is what i mean by there is something called as uh, monetary motivation and a non monetary motivation so what we have realized my experience is monetary uh, motivation will take you to certain level and beyond that i think it's a self worth at uh, what raghuraman has put it it's very very true now how do you make the person more valuable because of his power to think and contribute i think these are very very important so we create what is of course i think every industries are trying to create this kaizens uh, competitions and qcc and all but the important thing is how much emphasize the top management is willing to give for that in our case we have what is called as a dedicated time taken out from the production time about 1 hour per week it's most of the companies they try to do it off of the production time but this is the commitment this is a commit from the commitment from the top management that you mean uh, what you say so this is one thing similarly of course uh, we say that we have the uh, best talents and how do you uh, make them come out of the best talents that is we of course uh, various programs are conducted it's like uh, the kaizen also it's a scrumbuster champions we call it as environment where people are given their free hand to look at all the scraps in the uh, Uh, generated in the company and try to see what value they can create from it i think these are some of the things from my experience which really emphasizes or really strengthens my thinking that the human potential is unlimited provided there is a good facilitation and empowerment uh, given by the top management to the people and finally these are some of the beliefs which i have showed but my beliefs are also 
personal beliefs are people are good there are no conflicts in reality and there are no complex systems in reality i think with these three fundamental belief of my own and which is in parallel to the toyota way i would like to now hand it hand it over back to raghuram Pradesh, yeah. um, really appreciate the inputs. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, I think Japan is one company, one country which has kind of you know, lived this principle of unlocking human potentials. And for a country of uh, its size, I think it has made a phenomenal progress because of the way it has made everyone a productive part of their economy. And I think Toyota is one company which kind of you know bottles it up into an amazing global phenomena. So great to hear your stories. I think. they have achieved it with scale and i think the challenge for india as a country is how do we bring the spirit into our um, people and how do we make the entire population a uh, contributing economic force i think that's a challenge in front of us as a country um from there i next wanted to move into the next lesson so the first one was about purpose the second one was about self worth and how do you unlock it i think the third one i think uh, which uh, we have learnt is of uh, the policies you know at the end of the day we are dealing with a set of people that all of us put policies and you know rules and just regulations in place in order to you know how do we guide and how do we control people and that's uh, basically what we do but um, the my personal experiences you know you can have any policies anything but i guess is nothing better than human conscience and i think that has to be the best policy you can have any situation uh, behind you but finally if what we are doing is not um, in a consistent with what we think is right or if it is not consistent with what we would want to be done to us if we are in the same situation then um, that policy is not going to stand and uh, so i feel that you know human conscience is the best policy and um, you know i would like to illustrate this with uh, a small framework and then we will get into some nice examples which i have seen in my life um see uh, there's a classic dilemma in all this yeah? so one is uh, on the one axis is autonomy um you know this a high autonomy or a low autonomy across one axis and on the other axis is discipline it's a high in discipline and low in discipline yeah um i think this is the challenge which we face even with kids when we start growing to bring them up too much autonomy um, you know if great but uh, the kids tend to become indisciplined so our fear always is this it starts from here yeah? so all of us are afraid that we will end up in this box too much freedom and too little discipline i think we start with the challenge that you know this is where we are going to land up because we are afraid of landing up here we then land up going here what do we do we then start adding rules discipline this that and everything and start putting constraints our own people and we are hoping that we will get high discipline but what we don't realize very often is we slowly lose away the autonomy and the empowerment in the process and then we land up having a lot of discipline and too little autonomy and a um, lot of rules regulations and everything is clear you get a sign like this thing signed and that thing signed so many things but after some time what we realize is we eventually drift into this because once we have lost the autonomy and empowerment and once you have gone into a high discipline area over a period of time it's very difficult to maintain the discipline and then people actually eventually drift into the lower box and we land up in the red box and many organizations which have eventually landed in the wrong place actually have gone through this cycle and it's actually a vicious cycle um fear of autonomy therefore land put too much discipline 
that discipline doesn't hold good and so therefore it eventually deteriorates into very poor performance whereas the sweet spot actually lies here okay how do you actually bring this alive in the way we run our systems and policies and the way we run this i guess is um, one of the biggest challenges and i think the organizations which are successful are able to do this very well um it's easier said than done but i would like to explain uh, with a couple of examples to bring the story a bit alive in a better way uh the first one is about uh, you know when i was in ponds i learned it the first time in ponds it actually had individual reward system i'm talking about 2000 1997 to 2003 is when i was in the ponds factory and then it shifted it used to have individual reward system for every worker the worker in the shop floor was rated he was transparently told what his rating was and why he was rated what he was rated and that was and uh, and on the job of the supervisor was to transparently share it with him uh, and use that sharing and that engagement opportunity to actually help that person become better and you know that's what it does for a period of time when you done when you run it with a lot of judgment and not as a way to you know reward and punish people but as a way in which you can actually develop people when you do it that way then or it was possible even then to work with people at that level and land to them a differentiated reward mechanism yeah um and some of the best people and people would easily accept that yes this person is really good and no no wonder that he is getting rated higher yes his contribution is more but then i also have a role to play and i get rewarded for what i do well so there's a very very transparent process which used to be actually communicated and uh, it used to run very well i would like to actually take it uh, while this was a typical pro- pro- process of reward management for people i'd actually like to take it into a very different experience which is an exception handling um there's a very unfortunate incident in uh, 2002 when i was in a factory in pondicherry a worker died on the road and you know it is 5 o'clock in the evening going home a guy just uh, back from office the factory used to be just off the highway in the highway rash driving by the opposite bus which came in the opposite direction banged into him and he tried to avoid a cyclist who came from the side and banged into this guy and uh, unfortunately he died on the spot um, it was 5 5:15 in the evening and the guy was dead uh, such an unfortunate incident and uh, you know funeral happened and everything and then we put up a, he was one of the best workmen in the factory we actually from the factory side we communicated to the management saying that no such a thing has happened and, uh, and there is a loss of life he was one of the best of our workmen this has happened and we were all feeling very sh- shaken that one of the that factory started sometime in 1985 so this is the first loss of life of a employee in the factory and people were also quite impacted so we actually gave this message the first question which was asked was uh, and then we said while the agreement was there and there was a particular amount of money which was supposed to be paid we said that you know that money is not enough and we should do something different for this family and whatever it was so the first question which was asked was about the money is all fine but uh, can the fam does the family know the surviving wife what is the size of the family and is the surviving wife is she capable of handling a financial you know kind of money which you give her or will someone cheat her and take away all the money and leave her with nothing because is she even savvy enough to do all that so uh, you know 
luckily we knew something about the family so we had actually shared all the details and then the company gave, what, what was told to us at that time was we created actually a trust um, for the family there were two kids to be educated the kid at that time the, the elder one was uh, four years old and the younger one was one year old the company created a trust in which the company deposited some money and then it made three people from the factory as trustees to run the trust for um, 18 years till the kids went into college and the family was completely self sufficient so we were not just giving them money but the factory the three people in the there is a team formed which has made responsible for the family to, to stay safe and do well uh, for the next 20 years and uh, uh, last year the trust was dismantled because the kids have all grown and they have all got jobs now and uh, so they just dismantled the uh, trust and gave back the entire corpus back to the family at this time But just to say that you know uh, these are the kind of things which you do we when we do something like this we are very worried that you know we are breaking the rules and doing something different and what happens if people start exploiting this and everyone wants something like this and it just walks us into a trap i think that is where the uh, point of judgment engagement and running it with a consistent policy comes into place it's possible to communicate to people that you know we need to do these things with a lot of responsibility um we could show to people that when we say something it is with authenticity and with genuineness that we are trying to do and no one after that try to misuse something like this first of all no one wants to die and even when situations were very different i mean a diametrically opposite situation happened someone else in the factory it's a very very unfortunate case where that person was extremely you know unproductive he was a troublemaker and eventually that person got into alcohol and then he died uh, no one even said that we had to go and help them because they said uh, it is a self inflicted thing and you know we tried so much to get the person back on track he refused to come back on track it's fine we can't help that family and the situation because this is uh, not what is good for us it is possible to bring judgment not just from the management side but it is also possible to lead people in a way that they can self manage themselves take the right decisions which is good for them in the long run yeah that is the power of communication that's the power of leading them with purpose so that they feel that here are a set of people who are doing things which is good for us and it is our responsibility to behave in a mature way and um, not do something which is detrimental for us in the long run i think that is the power of uh, you know running a place with a lot of human conscience I, this is the first example i would like to share so there is something around you know the first thing i said was differentiated reward and second was in a very different way of handling exceptions and uh, very different results um another amazing example which i had personally seen in my life was um, you know it created a, a policy of um, Now giving educational scholarship to people so we had we used to get school kids uh, you know employees children who used to go to school uh, you know somewhere in their eighth standard we used to spot bright talent and various things people used to do very well in school and we used to bring them into the factory and we used to start giving them some awards and uh, some small very very small token scholarship um, you know it is that kind of it's a small thing but it made such a big impact for them that you know each one of them and their family started feeling that we used to bring the family of the parent who is actually doing the family of the kid who is doing very well the entire family on day to the factory and run a small award function 
it slowly created such a fantastic virtuous cycle that today it's a factory of 250 employees um and you know today in that factory i'm you know it's, it's an amazing experience to see 12 of the kids have become doctors and actually the first one to become a doctor was actually a woman and uh, out of the 250 workmen's kids 12 kids are doctors and 55 kids are engineers yeah. um I, i think you know we all keep talking about how do we create social value and how do we create you know uh, you know improve the society the purpose of an a factory is not just not to make money for itself or to make money for the company but also to make an impact on the lives of the people who are around them and whether it is a society or whether it is the employees and these do not take too much um, money it just needs that imagination and it just needs a level of engagement to make it happen and um, this is what is possible this is what creates human value and eventually creates sustainable uh, you know growth in the society and when we are able to do all this the level of uh, you know productivity which the factory brings in and the level of engagement which the people bring in to continuously learn and continuously solve problems and keep a place relevant in the long run i think um, it is fantastic and that's what actually unlocks value in people and uh, now i this is another great example of uh, hr policies driving uh, you know differentiation um while all this is great uh, you know these are all positive sides to everything but you know we are not always gifted in uh, landing with uh, always good uh, situations very often we as per of practicing managers or practicing leaders get into situations where things are not as good it's quite possible that a place which was run very well got into something which is bad and for various reasons external influence a patch of bad leadership something else happens um things do go bad it's not that they don't go bad yeah? um very often we walk into situations where we take over a role where the place is not has a history which is not you know to our liking and what do we want to do what do we do in such a situation and you know how do we then create this virtuous cycle and how do you cut the virtue how do you cut the vicious cycle i think is an equally important um, you know lesson um you know if you do take any population an area very typical thing is a normal curve there are some people who are always a listers who are on the right extreme they are the greens who are always very good performers they always do well and there are some whom you would find in the bottom and who are very difficult to deal with and who are the real trouble makers and whatever else it is in there's a huge middle which is basically the 60% yeah, 20 here so 60 in the middle and then there's another 20 here that's why i call it a 20 60 20 rule and one of the philosophies here is uh, you know very often what happens to us is we all spend disproportionate time in managing this and um, in the process um, you know we walk more and more and uh, into traps and we dig deeper and deeper holes uh, whereas one of the things uh, which we have learned the hard way is uh, you first start you know when you have the a listers the first thing is you start reinforcing them with some kind of rituals uh, various things you know whether it's a small recognition whether it's a small reward you know communicating what they are doing well various things with which you actually reinforce them and make the people start realizing that this is the behavior which is good which is wanted which is good for them and uh, the people in the middle eventually uh, in any bad place if you go and see the people in the middle are actually swaying towards this side and in any great team or in any great place you would actually find that the people in the middle are actually swaying towards this side 
I I think you know when you actually lead the place, reinforcing these people, you slowly get into a place where you are able to actually take the masses and move them towards the top instead of moving them towards the bottom. At the same time, we also need to deal with the people in the bottom. There is no doubt about that. Our aim is to contain their influence so that they don't spread here. They don't become the examples where the good people, the people in the middle, want to go here. Um, how do you prevent this influence from happening, and how do you make them go this side? And various things. You know, it, it involves uh, uh, sometimes very harsh decisions, including you know sacking people. I've gone so many times to court, got people out of the way, and doing that in a way that the people here do not feel threatened, but people here feel that yes, this is being done in order to make this place better. This is the right thing to do in this situation. How do you communicate? How do you make this happen? I have found this twenty sixty twenty a very very powerful uh, lesson, and uh, have found this work in various situations. Whatever we have gone into, recently you might have heard a video of Simon Sinek actually who talks about in any place, you know, it is here, and you know if you can actually sway them into this side, that's basically where you can actually create a large pool of people who are actually working towards your purpose and your vision. and creating value for uh, yourself the organization the employees and the stakeholders and i think this was a very important lesson for us to learn as we ran the organization um how do we do all this and another very practical example was um, now we all um, it's not about some fancy policies it's not about some fancy events fancy um, you know um mm, uh, uh, amount of money to be spent on all these things i think uh, like what uh, prakash was saying self worth is in that every quality circle meeting it happens 24 by 7 in every interaction in everything when you bring that sense of self worth and that sense of recognition into people in a responsible way it actually starts unlocking value and you know you are not looking at big things but small actions which actually cumulatively make a huge difference in the long run um some uh, you know i i still remember someone one of the best supervisors of the factory was actually retiring and at that time we had actually asked him to uh, and summarize his uh, lessons of the last so many years of his life and then say what makes us a successful supervisor to run a place so this is the lessons which this is this was the summary which that guy gave after 40 years of being a supervisor in a factory is it first one is engage with people genuinely so never try to manipulate them Uh, when you are trying to you know differentiate when you are trying to you know run a differentiated reward system when you are actually trying to um, do anything with people do it genuinely and with authenticity genuinely care for them and deal with them with authenticity okay? simple examples one if a fellow doesn't come to work today tomorrow when he comes to work all you know his his message was after you distribute work to everybody else take him on the side and ask him what happened yesterday and why you did not come to work is there a problem not to say you are not coming to work i am going to punish you but to say was is there a problem are you having an issue do you want any help if someone doesn't come to work for two days in a row calling home and finding out is he okay is there a problem never to find out why is he not coming to work but always to find out does he need a help even if the person is actually taking a leave out of laziness or out of misbehavior when the person knows that there is someone who is caring for him and he doesn't he is not just a brick in the wall but if he doesn't go to work there is someone who is bothered that he didn't come to work and is checking to find out if things are okay yeah that simple act of 
dealing with a situation like this genuinely there's so many such opportunities which we can do which can actually help us to create uh, that sense of belonging and that sense of you know caring the next one is uh, catching them do small things right whether it is a quality circle whether it's a small reward for uh, you know there's a quality day there's a safety day in each one of those things you know recognizing the best quality circles sending the best people to kaizen competitions where they go and win and they come back showcasing back in the place that look these guys when they did this they got an award and creating that sense of you know you do a good work you are rewarded what you do matters to us we are so proud that this is what you are doing i think is a major sense of you know how it unlocks value similarly you know one of his messages to us was sir every time someone does well does something good the next time when a senior manager walks into the factory we should take that senior manager to him and make him recognize the work he has done so that that guy feels that what work he does is just not a waste that there is someone who's looking at it everything that person does and is recognizing him for that yeah and the third one is engaging beyond work uh, you know uh, no one is just a number who is just coming to work because you pay him a salary so you know engaging with them in their personal life you know if there is a small function in the family go and visit them regularly there is literally not a single family function um, in those good places where someone wouldn't go visit be there because for many of them uh, someone senior coming from the factory is their sense of self worth and that's basically why um, this is very very important and when that happens you slowly start creating a much stronger level of involvement and a, a much stronger level of performance eventually and all of this eventually gets back into performance because people feel good the psychological safety is good they feel wanted they contribute more yeah um, the other thing was the entire factory itself is a community yeah so various things happen whether it's a family day whether it's a, you know saraswati puja the aida puja happens various things <coughs> each one of them are they just ticking the box which we are actually doing are are each one of these done with our heart and with uh, authenticity and genuineness i guess this this creates that virtuous cycle of employee engagement which in turn creates performance which in turn creates social value and economic value for the factory i think you know this is what i wanted to land small actions taken daily consistently uh, with a purpose which is anchoring it creates huge economic value eventually in the long run and um, you know these are all the pictures of some of these factories where people do these things too you know everything all the decorations everything is done by the workmen it is a practice in many places which actually helps them get engagement and when done well eventually creates a uh, huge value for everyone socially and economically uh, with this i would actually uh, like to Asan uh, uh, and call Mr. Pandit to actually share his insights because Mr. Pandit has led a lot of teams uh, in very different circumstances. While I spoke so much about a factory kind of an environment, equally challenging environment is a sales system where people are distributed. They are working in a very very large geography with two very very little supervision. And how do you unlock value? when you are dealing with people in that kind of an environment it would be great to listen to mr pandit share his uh, insights in this space over to mr pandit thank you very much um 
Uh, it is always a great pleasure to speak at uh, the MMA events, uh, MMA forum. And uh, I would like to thank Mr. Balraman, Group Captain Vijay Kumar, uh, and uh, for having me on this panel. What I would like to be talking about is how do you unlock uh, the potential of a different group of people? And these are the salespeople, uh, what one would call sales force or field force. And I'm going to share my experience, my uh, views based on long experience in managing uh, field force in bonds and later on in the telecommunications mobile industry. But most of my uh, thoughts about how to unlock potential uh, in this group of people is from my experience in bonds and highly relevant to the FMCG industry. But I think some of these um, insights may be relevant to other industries as well. Now, what are the unique characteristics and challenges that uh, the field force faces in their day-to-day -day work? And Raghu alluded to some of them uh, in the introduction. First and foremost, they are located in places which are far away from either the regional offices or the head office, definitely. They do not get in touch or contact with the head office people or the regional office people on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, in those days, the, they would meet the supervisor or the sales managers two to three days in a month and definitely visit the regional office maybe once a quarter, and somebody senior in the head office much less frequently. Of course, the technology today may have changed the scenario. It may be possible through today's technology to keep in touch with people more often and uh, more frequently. Um, uh, but in those days, this was one of the big, big challenges. Secondly, they work in very difficult conditions. Um, whether it is the hot summers, cold winters, rainy seasons, they have to be on the move. They have to be out in the field. They have to travel by train overnight. They have to travel by buses, and many of them travel by vans. Highly difficult travel conditions. They have to be away from their families. Many of them were away from their families for 15 to 18 days in a month. And transportation was not easy that they could come back and visit their families at any um, uh, regular intervals. And finally, and equally importantly, they used to face rejection every day. Uh, what I mean by that is that the salesperson called on about 25 to 30 retail shops in a day, and in about 15 shops or more, they would say, please go back, I have nothing to offer you. So this constant rejection on a daily basis uh, was something that the salesperson had to face. So these were unique challenges, and this made a salesperson's life, a salesperson's work, extremely difficult. How do you motivate, how do you unlock potential in a group of people like this? And I must tell you that um, bonds we had one of the highly motivated, engaged, productive sales team. 
And in fact, uh, a large part of our success in the marketplace was due to the efforts of our sales force. And that's the reason every one of the um, people joining Bonds in marketing spent the initial several months and sometimes several years in the field working with the sales team. So how, how did we really motivate this group? First, uh, there were four points, actually. And the first of this was compassion and care. And as Raghu mentioned, um, one of the pillars of this was that we treated them like human beings. We treated them like people. We understood the difficult challenges that they went through. It was not just one individual, from the chairman and managing director to the last person in the organization recognized the challenges and the difficulties that the salesperson went through and were compassionate, uh, were caring in dealing with them. So whenever a salesperson had any personal difficulties, family problems, we gave importance and credence to it. And I can give you examples like Rigo uh, mentioned of an accident of a salesperson and we took care of his entire family um, in the interest of time. I don't go into too much of detail, except that we ensured that the family was well looked after and children were taken care of. His spouse was taken care of. And this was not just one case. There were several cases in different magnitudes. We had no HR. Um, the sales managers were the HR managers. That was one of the key messages we draw down to every single ASM, RSM, or even the national sales manager, that you people look after you. Uh, you sales managers look after your sales teams. How well you look after your sales team, how well you motivate, determines how successful you are. The second aspect of managing this team was focus on performance. While we were extremely compassionate and caring, we also placed a great deal of emphasis on performance. There was regular monitoring of uh, sales results on a daily basis, uh, sales results for each of the markets that the salespeople visited, monthly sales comparison against budgets. So the whole sales team was focused on delivering their goals. And in my view, this motivated them enormously. Achieving sales targets, achieving sales results gave them a big high. And those salespeople, we were doing well, and many of them did well, were really on, on, on top, feeling good about themselves. So getting them to feel good was, was, was driven through this performance. And the third was uh, discipline. Um, and I go back to the uh, a box that Raghu drew over there. And the, what I'm talking about may be slightly different from... Um, some of the principles Raghu enunciated, uh, but this is typical of any field force, and that's why it's called a force. It's like your Fauci, you know, armed forces, where discipline is extremely important. So we had a daily route plan, and the salesperson had to adhere to the daily route plan. We had a travel plan, monthly journey plan, and the salesperson had to adhere to the monthly travel plan. There was not much freedom given to the salesperson to deviate from it. While drawing up the plan every three months or every quarter, we consulted the salesperson. We took that person's inputs into account. 
whether you need to spend five days in this market or three days in this market. But once that's drawn up, they have to adhere to that without any deviation. Another key aspect of this third point is uh, focus on integrity and values. Um, one of the areas where we used to be really tough, um, take stringent measures, is when a salesperson um, was found not adhering to values of financial integrity, integrity with regard to de- dealings with the retailers or with regard to the authorized dealers. Um, the fourth aspect of how we motivated and unlocked potential of this group was in recognition and reward. And in, in recognition, I go back to, again, some of the key principles that Rabu initiated. We gave a lot of respect and a lot of recognition to the salesperson's contribution to the business. Again, right from the top of the organization to every single individual, we recognized that the salesperson made a huge difference to our business, contributed immensely to our business. And that recognition gave them huge sense of self-worth. Now, in terms of rewards, um, financial rewards meant a lot to the salespeople. So there were two components. One was an incentive plan, which was linked to achievement of targets. And the salesperson could achieve, I don't remember the exact figures, but almost uh, much more than their basic salaries by achieving sales targets. But equally or more importantly, we had sales contests. And these sales contests were really um, some of the great motivators for salespeople. And we used to circulate to every, the entire team, the rankings of persons who achieved, uh, won the sales contest, won the first prize, won the various prizes in these contests. This was a huge motivation for the sales team. And they would talk about it to their families, talk about it to the entire dealer networks, talk about it to uh, other colleagues. And this is, again, added to their um, self-worth, added to the feeling that they were a very, very important um, part of the organization. So um, overall, if I may summarize, um, there were four key aspects, um, maybe five. One, compassion and care for the salesperson. Two, um, focus on performance. Three, uh, discipline and uh, focus on values. Four, recognition of the individual self-worth and linked to that a reward system. Now, this may be different from uh, Daniel Pink's model of autonomy, mastery, and pur- purpose, of course, is common. Even here, the sales team had a strong purpose. Uh, Maybe different, but I think uh, these were the driving forces. And I, I suspect even today, um, in the, any industry which has a remote sales teams, uh, the, these would be some of the key driving forces. So with that, I will end my uh, uh, my thoughts and over to you, back to you, Prabhu. Thank you. Really appreciate Mr. Pandit and uh, these are great insights. I think, you know, same principles, but uh, uh, kind of uh, deployed in a very different uh, day-to-day task, which is sales versus manufacturing. Uh, I would now like to invite uh, Mr. Shankar 
to share his insights because the challenges of his industry are extremely different you are talking about you know an it industry where you are employing 2 lakh to 3 lakh people uh, so it's a very different challenge of scale and how do we deal with these and those situations but at the same time i think shankar has a very deep experience of dealing with a variety of industries and one of the most respected hr leaders so some insights from shankar both in terms of hr principles as we speak about this topic as well as specific experiences around uh, how do we do this at a scale which is so massive well thanks ragu thanks uh, prakash and pandit i think you guys uh, did a fabulous job covering a lot of things see hr is always the bad boy you know when when uh, in, in every company <laughs> whenever there is a problem they say oh, it is an hr policy it is an hr system uh, and now it's good to hear people saying that you know it's not about hr it is what we are going to do we are the ones who run the show <laughs> so um, that's life uh, because i think hr is is one function which is interwoven across everything yeah and it's always because every decision that you take is uh, people's decision and therefore hr always comes in as a picture now what is and i think there are two or three points i want to talk about i mean we can go on debating but i just thought for the interest of time uh, just two or three points one is how is it different in the service industry where the scale is huge yeah when you look at a factory it's maybe 2000 3000 workers when you look at a service industry it's about 2 and 1/2 lakh employees if you look at infosys if you look at a tcs it's 4 and 1/2 lakh employees so that's huge scale Uh, number one number two about 30% or 40% of the people are not in your in your premises they work in different premises they are working on the client side they are working on some projects so they are somewhere else and you don't see them they don't even come and access your emails because they are on a client network because they are working as if they are working for a client so how do you access them also is a bit of a thing because they are all sitting somewhere you know they may be in dallas they may be somewhere else working it with clients yeah so that's the other challenge And number two, uh, so those are the, the those are the things. And number three, I think in the IT industry, one big change, while you know we have heard, is is the is is what one causes change in technology because you're working for a project or a client that will change, you know. And what sometimes you need to learn something new to do something new. So therefore, it is not that you can continue to do the same job. You got to you know the half life of a job is roughly about three four years. After that, you have to do something very different. So that's broadly the three key things in an IT industry. So so therefore, I think while while there is a very big role that individual managers have to play, uh, but there is also equally a role of the culture that the company creates because that is what. what will enable the individual managers like what ragu mentioned or pandit mentioned to do the kind of things that they did in their factories you need that kind of a culture because now you got hundreds of people all across you don't even know who it is you know so sitting somewhere doing something so you got to really create a great set of managers but you also have to create a great set of culture that will ensure that you have those leaders who take that responsibility Now let me give you one small example, and how do you do that? It's not easy. I think it it has to be various things. Uh, firstly, it has to start with the top, the values of the company. So every company has to talk about their values, and and talk, and those values should talk about some of the key core things that are important to people. The second is the what we call as the the value proposition to an employee. Now, uh, if you look at the 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 mind of a young Engineer who's come from an engineering college, 
who's worked two, three years, what is their thing? I think they are, you know, are they looking at long term in the company? May not be. You know, are they looking? So they are all saying, okay, two years, three years, can I do an MBA? Two, three years, if I'm getting an on-site posting, look for it. If not, you know, so those are their little, their, their horizon is about four years, five years. And they'll keep seeing what are, what are some of the things that are there. Some may, some may choose different careers, some may continue, but it's, it's all dependent on different things. So you got to really ensure that you take that career horizons in the, in the, in the three to five year kind of range for the young people because they are very different. And what are the three things that they, they want? I think for if you look at the kind of people that we hire, uh, the three key things for them is career growth and learning. That's the first thing. They're saying every two, three years, I want to see some growth. I want to learn. I want to you know, So career growth is very important to them and learning. Number two is they, they also want uh, to work in a great environment, good teams, bosses. So that is the second big thing that they want. The third area there for them is really compensation and, uh, and compensation linked to performance. They're saying, okay, if I do well, I want compensation. And therefore, because they see the market, they'll work for two, three years. They see what are the skills in the market and therefore, you know, compensation becomes important. So what we did and one of the ways to really engage is to create what we call as a value proposition. I'm just giving you a smaller example of what we did in Infosys and other companies will have something similar. And, and when we did our own study, we said there are three things which are core as a value proposition from Infosys. The first one is to give them a job where they can make an impact, yeah, which is the, all this thing about purpose, meaningful, purposeful jobs where they can make an impact. So that's the first pillar of our value proposition. The second pillar is where we say you will have continuous learning and growth. And, and, our, and what we call in our own language is your career will never stand still. So you got to have that is very important in this industry and you got to create that thing. And the third one is we say, listen, this will be a culture or an employee experience which you will value. So there are these three things. So the first one on this whole purpose is where we kind of do things like, you know, uh, the focus that we have, what we call is the vertical engagement. While the companies will do a lot of activities to engage because of the scale, the managers have to engage on the job, on the on the challenges of the job and what they are doing for the client. So create that purpose. And we also have various team events where they really say, okay, what is our purpose? What are we delivering to our clients? And they talk about it. So And they do innovation stuff similar to uh, what they do in Kaizen. We have got something called Be the Navigator where they do Basically, the, the, the whole thing of kind of uh, what, what we call as design thinking, understanding the problem of the customer and solving it on their own. So those are some of the things that we, we encourage them to do. On the learning, yes, career learning, we've got to create lots of learning paths, encourage them, give them a lot of rewards. So they've got to keep learning and everything is online. In India, online learning is not very popular. Uh, people will take and they'll give it up because, you know, we've, we've seen that they don't do it. But now I think we've seen in the last six months, twice the number of people are learning. So therefore, learning is becoming important and online learning is important. I think the third one is this culture. And culture is about various things, about recognition, about ensuring that there is the teams that are there, there is the right managers, all of that. We got to ensure that that is provided. So to build a culture, I think companies have to create a value proposition and ensure that you train the right managers, you send the right messages. And, 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 and the leadership 
kind of puts the focus on it. I think those are some of the things that we need to do at scale. So the difference between a factory and this is, is probably the mindset of people. While at the base they are same, but there is their, their career horizons are different. What they are looking for are different. Uh, and they're also somebody who you don't see every day. They are in different places. So how do you really manage it is, is a very big challenge. So I'll stop here. I think we can go on. But I think that's the first part about the issues in a services company. I think the second part I want to talk is the role of HR. Because I think when we spoke speak about all of this, the key thing comes with what does HR do? I think if you look at in the end, HR's role is to create systems where you create managers like Raghu and Pandit and Prakash. That's the first thing because you've got to get the right people who do this stuff. So you want to create the system where those are the people who are put in the right job. So you identify them, you train them, you know, and that's the system. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to really ensure there is a system where the, the, there is a culture. And I think that's where you create EVPs, you create, uh, you talk about you know, the learning, you create what are the core things, what is important to that group and provide those as an ecosystem. But then it's still left to the manager to make all this happen. And therefore, you have to then train the manager. And that's very important. So those are some of the things that HR needs to do. There are lots of changes. I think uh, Raghu spoke about the bell curve, you know, roughly this 20, 60, 20. Now, the, the, you know, if you look at most of the tech companies, they say, you know, we don't want ratings, you know. So therefore, there is a big thing saying, why this, you know. So therefore, these are newer trends. Uh, for each of those, you need time, you need thing, but there is now lots of thinking which says maybe that bell curve is not right. Maybe there is a different thing that you want to do. So there are lots of newer ideas that all of us are trying to say how we can do that. But what what is not not what cannot be ruled out, or what is the most important thing is this conversation, the conversation with people, and that's where we insist on this what we call as a vertical engagement of the manager talking to people. Uh, on what they need to do, how they need to grow their careers, etc. So again, I think we can speak. It's 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 not an easy thing. It's it's a tough challenge. There are different things that we got to see. The 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 mindset of people is continuously changing. So we got to also keep changing our systems there. We got to have culture whether the managers and leaders are there who do the right thing. So how do you really create the ecosystem for them to do it? Uh, all those have to be done. I think that's some of the role that HR has to play. So I'll stop here. And then maybe we can look at any questions and take them up. Yeah. Uh, Shakat, thanks a ton. I think very different perspectives and very different challenges. I mean, sir, I think, you know, and when, while we all marvel at the kind of scale we have achieved in this industry in the last 20 years, I think what has gone behind it is this, you know, thinking which has actually created this kind of a scale which we have been able to achieve. So we need to wrap it up here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I would like to end with this last slide. I think, you know, it's the concept of the and which Kanan spoke about. I would like to request Mr. Balraman to kind of, you know, pick up from here and wrap up the session as well as open up for Q&A. Well, uh, there is there's not much time for a Q&A. Uh, you see, the only point here to notice that uh, uh, we need to be both uh, human-oriented and task-oriented. Uh, you have to be human-oriented because uh, that is a fundamental requirement uh, in India. Uh, most of us, uh, most of the people are from the poor backgrounds. They do not have a sense of self-worth. So if you give them a sense, if you recognize them as individuals, they are extremely grateful and they'll give their life for you. And, and under Maslow's hierarchy of needs, most of the Indians coming from poor families 
are in the affinity need spectrum so you need to treat them as uh, one team and they uh, that is a maximum reward they expect beyond money uh, they expect recognition uh, ragu uh, do you have any final words to close because uh, is it today is the csk and uh, match with rcb uh, so people uh, we are losing people in there yeah audience no uh, nothing specific sir i think we had a um, i think there's a topic which is of a lot of uh, importance for all of us and uh, uh, continuously exploring this i think is an important imperative for each one of us as leaders and managers as we lead our teams on a daily basis i think that's what i would like to end with uh, thanks a lot for the opportunity and uh, thanks for everyone for staying online group captain uh, yes thank you you can take one question and then yes yeah we'll take one question uh, which has come from the youtube uh, and uh, that has been asked by you know mr ravi prashothram from president danforce president danforce also president of mma and he's traveling so he's watching on youtube uh, he says uh, uh, should we not uh, focus more on emotional intelligence instead of domain knowledge as generally b2b is more domain who is that trust who would like to take it uh Crucial. Okay. Let me let me try and take it. Yeah, um, I think that's the right thing. See, I think you know both are important. So uh, uh, emotional intelligence is needed because you got to manage as a manager as leaders. Emotional intelligence is very important. So I think that's that. I think is key to to develop. But you know, in different levels, I think different things are important. As you start the career, I think I would say. domain knowledge will be very important for a leader as as much as emotional intelligence as they grow up the ladder then more emotional intelligence is less domain knowledge so i think it slowly become uh, you know and if you become a, like a ceo it's much more emotional intelligence than domain knowledge because you got to just work with teams but when you are a first level leader i think you need both uh, equally but i think you know the importance of emotional intelligence is growing given that you're dealing with people whose aspirations whose things are changing much more so you got to be much more conscious of that thank you uh, we, we can one three more questions one for each of the each of the panel and after that you and i will not speak today we'll just thank okay thank you sir one more question which has come is uh, psychological safety is important uh, nowadays as a role of people leader the personal leadership development uh, of for leaders is key kindly share your suggestions to integrate this part of people leaders roles who wants to take i just take a try at this i think you know, like anything else it has to start from the top first of all i think it's a job of the top leadership to create an environment of and and um, a psychological safety create an awareness of this topic among the people who are actually leading people in the organization and then create that positive cycle by you know spotting good acts of this being created and making examples out of positive cases which slowly creates the environment of psychological safety and a virtuous cycle which actually then helps more and more value getting created out of it i think this is the way it can be practically integrated into any operating environment okay no more one other question from mr krishna he is asking uh, by asking the sales team to follow a strict schedule are we not uh, limiting their autonomy how to convince them that the schedule is to be fit in their benefit it's 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 fair uh, for their benefit this goes to lakshmi narayan pandey yeah a, a good question very good question i think what we do uh, what we did 
was that while drawing up the schedule, we involved the salesperson. We involved the salesperson. We involved the supervisors. We sit together and draw up the schedule. So their inputs are valuable and taken into account. But once the schedule is drawn up, there has to be a very strong case to deviate from it. So it's like a why should either the army or the, any of the defense forces or any any services forces why should they have discipline? Why not complete autonomy? Because there is a tremendous benefit in having that discipline. You take their inputs, but then follow it. That's what I would say. Thank you. One last question. One last question says question has come from USA from Mr. Bala. He says I've been asked to write a reference for someone I sacked for incompetence. He is so now so desperate for a job. What is the correct approach for me to take it, Mr. Prakash? <laughs> Sorry, sir. Can you repeat it? I could. <laughs> I lost it. Sir. He has it's to ask. Yes, recommendation for be truthful. <laughs> what can, can he do? Can, he, he, can he, he fired someone, and uh, now yeah. we returned to him to give a reference, and he's very <laughs> desperate for a job. What should he? What should I do? <laughs> I I fired him for a. Incompetence. Yeah, it, I think he would have fired him from uh, his viewpoint of view about the incompetence because the organization needs and other things may not be fitting him. So if he is able to fit uh, himself in a different organization, I think he should not hesitate to give a recommendation for him, uh, unless it is an integral integrity issue. Krish, you know, similar case you would have faced, you know, faced quite a number of them. What your views on this, Ms. Krish Shankar? For me, no. I think see, we have to be objective. I think the point is, uh, see, everybody. I think there is. You can say, listen, these are the things. This is, has been his career, or these are some things he did. But in this role, he had these challenges. But overall, this is where it is. So you've got to just mention what is one or two areas that that he was incompetent for in that last role. But also say what are some of the strengths that you've done over the years, so that you give a balanced report. And then people can make their own choice. I don't think you should be judgmental, but you got to be objective. Say, but say that in that last job, these were two areas that he struggled with. But this is what it is, and then let the person take it up. Yeah, that's what I would recommend. Great, sir. Thank you so much, uh, gentlemen. And uh, as a token of uh, our appreciation for sparing your valuable time, and uh, we usually what we present is we give a couple of hundred and marks. We are going to present 400 masks on your behalf. So this will reach a couple of NGOs and a couple of areas where the need is so much because this is the way we thought uh, very needy at the time. Thank you so much for sparing your valuable time and uh, all the people who are still watching. Uh, please, we are going to feedback kindly. You no, know, your feedback is very important. I can assure you. I think uh, the power play has only started. Uh, the power play, what has been conveyed during this match, what we heard from four outstanding speakers. It's excellent, and uh, thanks so much, and uh, for sharing your great insight. Thanks to Mr. Balraman for uh, really uh, you know, getting putting together and bringing thing, and thanks to Raghu, uh, outstanding presentation. Thanks to our distinguished invitees uh, this evening, uh, Mr. Pandit, uh, Mr. Krish Shankar, and uh, Mr. Prakash. We would like to have a continued uh, association with MM for more events of similar nature. Have a great evening. Have a great uh, weekend and watch. And I we wish uh, being in Chennai. Uh, let CK <laughs> CSK win. But anyway, <laughs> the best team win actually. And I know people are watching from Bangalore and different part of the country. But uh, may the best team win. And uh, and thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, thanks to everybody. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. Thank you.
And your feedback is still going, no? So yeah, feedback is still going on, sir. Ah, leave it, leave it. Don't let it go. Who's ever want to give the feedback, let it go. Don't for the yes. Gentlemen, those who want to give a feedback, please finish your input. Uh, we'll wait. No hurry. Thank you. Ah. 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 Ah.